Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 160. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at VJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hey, John, I'm doing great. We are pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to career enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Awesome, Nick. Hey, so we are on the third and final episode with our esteemed guest, Andy Sirwich. Uh, what have we talked about so far? We've built up the trilogy. In part one, we followed Andy on his journey into IT, across different industries, and into the MSP world, even into management. From there, we went to part two, and Andy set a different course for technical evangelism, moved over to Altero. He became a member of the Microsoft MVP program and did a lot of side hustle, let's just say, to create his own role. Very interesting stuff. But today, John, it's sort of like the Return of the Jedi portion of the trilogy. We're going to hear about the struggles, but we're going to hear about the triumph. And it's all about anxiety. Ah, yes. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> right? It's like this thing that is a recurring, a recurring thing. I think Andy teased it last time when he talked about uh, imposter syndrome. You know, when he was attending um, Microsoft MVP events and looking at all these like high powered people around him um, and just kind of getting to this point where he recognized that he had this issue with anxiety, you know, plot twist, you know, people at the top end of, you know, what we consider to be, you know, nerd famous, like are dealing with the exact same issues and sometimes worse. We talk about like, you know, what is anxiety and the difference between anxiety and the and anxiety disorder. I think that's like a pretty important distinguish thing to distinguish. I really loved our open and honest discussion of it. It really resonated with me, um, as you'll hopefully hear. Um, but let's get to part three of our interview with Andy Sirwich, episode 160 in the Nerd Journey podcast. syndrome a lot of people go through that a lot of times the imposter syndrome can cause anxiety and that's something yep. that you you actually talked about you talked about anxiety a little bit and at the amp navigator conference earlier this year i was wondering yep. if you could share how you came to recognize that anxiety was an issue for you yeah it's it's kind of funny how this has played out throughout my my life, the whole anxiety discussion, because growing up, I mean, even being a teenager, early adulthood, you know, I my parents had always told me, oh, you're so laid back and you're, you're such a laid back kid. Right. And, and you hear that and you almost. As a kid, you kind of, oh, yeah, I'm laid back. Yeah, I'm really laid back, you know, and you kind of take that on as part of your personality. Right. And I think that's kind of what happened when I was 
when I was younger. Now, as I started stepping through all these career changes and this career journey that we've been talking about this whole time, knowing now that I'm aware of um, my anxiety disorder, which we'll, we'll get into a little bit more, I'm sure, I can look back at certain stages of my career and be like, oh, okay, that, that makes sense now. That makes sense. So there had been a lot of cases in my career where you could see certain things as being, how do I want to put it? You see things as being, you see me as being very driven at certain stages of my career. And there are some cases where I look back and I'm like, oh yeah, I was really anxious at the time. And I would say when I was younger, I was, I was channeling that anxiety. I was using it in a, dare I say, positive way. I would take that energy. I mean, really, it's what anxiety is, right? It's energy, right? And I would take that energy and I would, okay, what's next? Let's push, let's push, let's go, let's go. Well, that's not sustainable in the long run, right? That's <laughs> not sustainable, um, especially now that I know more and have learned more about anxiety over the last year or two here. But um, but yeah, I definitely think that has been a, a driving factor in my career. So I'm, you know, when it comes down to it, basically I have generalized anxiety disorder, which for those that aren't aware, um, you hear that description and people just think, oh, you just get worried about random stuff, right? Really what it is, is it means you have an excess of worry and you may not even know what it's about, which is largely the case for me, for me at any given time. I may feel anxiety and I think a big, a big struggle that I had when I first became aware that I had this disorder was again, being a IT guy, an engineer by trade, my brain is designed to, there's a problem. I'm going to go fix it. Right. Well, oh yeah. once I learned and identified that, Hey, I do have an anxiety disorder and I can go back and look at my life and being like, no, you weren't laid back at all. You were, <laughs> you were internalizing your anxiety your entire life basically. But I would get to a point where I'd look at my anxiety and it became a problem to solve. What's making me anxious? Well, anxiety is inexplainable sometimes, most of the time, right? You may not necessarily know what's making you anxious. So I would get stuck in that process, right? Trying to figure out like what's making me anxious, which I couldn't figure it out, which would make me more anxious. And it would just build and build and build. And this was all kind of going on behind the scenes in my career up until I don't remember when it was. Um, at one point I had an opportunity and I talked about this in my session for uh, Amp Navigator was I had a, a, an opportunity come up to basically go work for my dream organization. Right. And it was one of those situations where I knew all the right people, a new team was being created with multiple openings. Um, and, uh, I kind of sidestepped the hiring process for the most part. It wasn't one of those put in a resume, uh, go do the official application for the job. It was like, Hey, let's talk, you know, and get on the call, have the conversation. Everything goes fantastic. Right. And I don't hear anything for a couple of weeks. And when I send my chaser follow up a couple of weeks later, I just get a generic Ah, you're not the right person for the role type of thing. When I talk about this in terms of my anxiety, this was like, how do I explain it? This was, this was the glass shattering at that point. Throughout my career, 
some cracks had been made. Like I kind of had a, an inkling, a thought that, Hey, I, you know, I get really worried about stuff sometimes. And you know, my, my, my wife, especially would be like, you know, Hey, <laughs> think you have an anxiety issue, right? She, she kind of, you know, figured it out before I did, but that was the, the turning point at that, that point in time, you mentioned earlier when we were talking about me getting let go from that, that manufacturer, right? Mm -hmm. And you asked me whether or not that had an impact on my self-confidence. That time it didn't. In this particular situation, that was shattering for my my, my self-confidence. And imposter syndrome became a very large part of daily life, I guess I would say, at that point in time, right? And I guess looking back on it now, having gone through therapy and learning about this disorder and everything year, you know, later on, um, now I'm able to actually look and be like, hey, I was channeling my anxiety in a somewhat healthy fashion beforehand. I was doing something with that. I was pushing my career forward at that point kind of had lost all temporarily had lost faith in my own capabilities at that stage in, in life and imposter syndrome stepped in. And instead of the anxiety pushing forward, like I had been doing my entire career up until that point, it turned into a, Hey Andy, let's eat ourselves type of situation. Right. And so that's when I, I guess, to explain it simply, I've kind of been rambling on this one a little bit, I know, but uh, to explain it simply, that experience, having that that shot at a dream job kind of lobbed out there in a really, what I perceive to be a real easy to hit fashion, um, exposed this underlying anxiety disorder. Because after that, just anxiety all the time, day after day after day after day. And, um, it wasn't until I started going and seeing professional help, um, that I learned that, Hey, I have an anxiety disorder and all of these things throughout my life make a whole lot more sense now and actually learned how to deal with it and, and manage it that now today it's, it's fine. <laughs> right? So I rambled a lot there. I'm sure we're going to dig into various bits and pieces of that, but I'll, I'll, I'll I got, got, got to let you guys get a word in edgewise here. No, I think that was very useful. I think that um, it sometimes people don't understand, you know, mental health disorders. And, you know, it's like, hey, I feel anxious sometimes, too. And I just deal with it. Like, that's like the least, you know, useful, like view that people have on it. It's like, hey, sometimes I burn the candle at both ends. It's like, yeah, but this is like a log and it's all on fire at the same time. And, <laughs> and yeah, I'm doing some positive things with it. I'm boiling a kettle of water. I'm cooking dinner. But that doesn't change the fact that the entire log is on fire and it's going to be consumed and right you know certainly we all have points in time in our lives where we're anxious but yep. not everybody has debilitating anxiety and that's really kind of the line that mental health professionals seem to draw where it's like hey you know if it means that you can't do your job effectively because of your anxiety or your relationships at home are impacted by your anxiety or you can't physically perform, you know, just basic functions like your sleep is interfered with or your eating 
you know, radically shifts like in an yep. unhealthy way because of the anxiety. Like those all point to a disorder that needs to be dealt with in the exact same way that we would say, oh, my leg is broken. I need to go see right. a doctor about this. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. And, That's go ahead. Yeah. For some reason, we have like these like stigmas around it. Like, you know, you know, if somebody breaks a leg in a car accident. There's no like, you know, ah, broken leg, you know. Right. Uh, you know stigma but I like, if somebody today. says like <laughs> if somebody <laughs> says that they have an anxiety disorder like that i don't know you know but maybe it's 2021 you know you know heading into 2022 and and i strongly believe that that is changing but um yeah. it's very it's all part of you know people like you coming forward and saying hey this is what this is actually like and it's a problem and it's different from the anxiety that you feel, you know, somebody without an anxiety disorder, like here's the contrast and here's why it's a disorder and not just a phase. Definitely. I, I totally agree with, with all of that. And I, you know, I think you, you said it perfectly in that. I, I, I think this was even describes me a little bit before I became aware that I had the anxiety disorder was that I'd be going along my day job and huh. I'm worried about something, you know, oh, well, people have worries sometimes They just work through it. Right. And I've always been the type that I used to cope with it with avoidance and avoidance could mean, Hey, let's, let's provision the sand or, Oh, Hey, there's this force 10 switch over here that I've never touched before. And I need to set up VLANs on let's go configure that. Right. So I would always do these things with technology to kind of, distract from myself, which had the positive effect that, hey, I was learning about whatever that technology was, right? So like I said, all these years later, now I can look back at some stuff like that throughout my career and my life. And it makes a lot more sense now why I was driven to do certain things and, and not do others type of thing. I used to look at the anxiety that way until, again, I went and saw you know, a, a professional, a therapist, and we started talking through all this. And you know, the way I always think about it is you ever get that support tickets or go help that one user that you fix whatever for them. And they, they think you've done some kind of black magic. They think you've, you've done witchcraft and solved the issue. It's this mystical, crazy thing, right? Um, they think you're, you're, you know, super awesome for doing it. I imagine how therapists make me feel is how it people make those, those types of end users feel. Because I mean, you start talking to a therapist about this type of stuff and it's so weird. They'll just queue up certain thought processes. And when they get to the conclusion of the thought process, they'll say one thing. And like, you know, your, your mind is just blown at the end of that is like, Oh, so much makes sense now type of thing. But it's, it's going through that process and they call out certain things and it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. I guess that's not normal. All those anxious feelings I've been having. And Oh, Oh yeah. I, I have been avoiding all of these anxious feelings all these years by doing diving into tech work or video games or whatever, right? Um, becoming aware of those things through that that professional therapist process kind of brings all that to light. That's a really, really good analogy, right? When you go and help somebody in a help desk ticket, you know, you're not just bringing like what you think is the solution. You're bringing like the fact that you've seen, you know, three or 400 different types of problems Right. And you've had all these reps, right? And you sit down with a therapist and they've had 
a thousand reps, you know, with people, you know, and it's almost like, I I mean, my favorite thing that I ever got from a therapist was, you know, like, I, I, I know that you think that you're special in this, but you're not. Yep. You're actually kind of a boring case of this. <laughs> that was, yep. you know, like it wasn't said like that, but like to understand that you like what you have and the way that you're feeling is solidly in the pattern of what somebody else sees day after day after day and they know how to fix it. You know, we can try this and this and this and this and this. You know, and it's it's almost like a decision tree, like, you know, just diagnosing like what's wrong with a, right. a computer. You know, it's probably one of these 10 things and people respond differently. But this happens all the time. Like sometimes like, you know, people's brains just work this way. Yeah. It's I found it very comforting. That- yes. <laughs> same, same, because I, you know, I come to that realization that, oh, oh hey, I have this thing, right? Like you said, same thing. You know, there's probably 10 possibilities and these two are the most likely. And now again, my IT pro brain, now there's a roadmap that gets played out, right? Now there's skills I need to go learn, right? And and that's the way that I approached it was, okay, I have this thing. There are these skills I can learn that help with it. And I'm going to go learn those just like I would learn SQL or, you know, storage spaces direct or whatever, right? It's a yeah. skill that, that can be learned and leveraged. I think there's also this aspect of needing to look outside yourself and outside of those who are super close to you, to the person with the expertise in that area, right? Because I, I don't know what your wife noticed about thinking you had an issue with anxiety, but I'd love to hear it if you're okay with sharing. But my gut tells me that maybe, you know, someone else who lives with us, they want to fix us and, right. and they try really hard, but they may not have the, the proper approach to get the response that is going to be the fix. And that ends up frustrating you and the other person. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, for me personally, my, I have very few what I would call external symptoms, right? Mm-hmm. I internalize everything. And my wife, because she's you know so close to me, she picks up on all the little subtle hints and clues that I'm anxious. Or um, you know, the way she puts it is, you know, I walk into a room and I just, I exude a you know, uh, what does she say? I, I exude a, a feeling, right? I just, I just have a, an aura of some sort that just, um, an energy. That's what it is. I exude an energy, right? Of anxiousness, anxiety, even my therapist I've, there, I'll be sitting there talking with my therapist and she's sitting across the room. She's like, Oh, you're just, you're making me anxious. Just sitting in here just because, you know, they, they can tell, right? Right. You just changed the weather in the room when you walked in. Right. And I mean, that's not the only thing. I mean, the years leading up to me becoming aware of it, you know, I had been suppressing and pushing it down, pushing it down and pushing it down. But there were times where it would break out in certain ways, like me getting, you know, needlessly irritable about something stupid, right? Or reacting to certain situations with, um, in ways that were um, over the top, 
right? Things like that. Like I remember a one time where my son was, I don't know, he was probably uh, four, five years old, still kind of a little guy, right? He had, um, what did he do? He had um, kind of inhaled a, you know, like, I don't know what they're called. They're shrubs, but like they're like almost like evergreen type bush, right? I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a gardening person, but basically he had, he kind of inhaled a couple of uh, prickly needles one time while we were at a family function and we got them out, had him blow his nose, right? Of course he's freaking out and he's crying, right? Because obviously it hurts when you inhale a, uh, <laughs> you know, pine tree stuff up your nose, right? Um, anyway, we're driving home and he, um, it's, I don't know, it's about an hour and a half, two hour drive home from where we were going. And he uh, does what kids do in the car sometimes, it just throws up, right? <laughs> Poor guy, right? Anyway, in my anxiety addled mind at the time, something terrible was happening, right? He had, um, you know, inhaled it to his lungs. He was having a terrible reaction. And I just flipped out. Like, my wife is just like, he's fine. Just pull over and we'll deal with it. And me, I'm, you know, practically in tears trying to not crash the car as we're pulling over somewhere, you know? So, I mean, it was just those types of little, I don't, that situation wasn't so subtle probably, but, um, it was those types of signs that she kind of picked up on that ultimately led to me going and talking to someone, right? Disproportionate responses, right? Exactly. And the other big part of that was, um, the kind of the self-destructive anxiety of those anxious thoughts that, that started happening after, after missing out on that job. That was the other big catalyst to me finally going and talking to someone and, oh, hey, surprise, you have this thing. <laughs> well, I mean, it kind of, I think we can build up scabs, right, throughout our life and like scar right. tissue that, that hides a thing and then something comes along and, and rips it off and then every little touch afterwards feels like you're pr pr pressing on raw flesh right, right? And, right and you have to you're in the situation where you have to recover from all the wounds all at once and we're really not set up to to deal with that right yeah absolutely yeah it's totally understandable but it you know to have like a professional you know it, it sounds like you're saying that um and again like correct me if i'm wrong that like a lot of your coping mechanisms the things that you had learned to keep it internal and not expose it externally had been kind of slowly like bleeding away. So oh, yeah. it had become more yep. and more obvious when you were going through these periods of, of higher anxiety. Definitely. And as, as you get older, I mean, we take on more responsibilities as adults. You, you know, have kids, kids go to school and, you know, jobs are changing. I mean, I, I would say I'm of the opinion. And I think most people probably would be that, as we get older, we shoulder more responsibility and there's more to be anxious about, right? Especially with the world like it is currently today, right? That doesn't help things either. But so I think it was a combination of the two. It was one, I had been holding that 10 pound weight straight out from my arm for years and years and years and couldn't hold it anymore, right? So those those scabs, like you said, were kind of chipping away Two, they weren't enough to contain the level of anxiety I was dealing with anymore either you know so so yeah something had to give at that point and um so yeah what would you say to someone who's not convinced that they need to go and get the help or they're they don't feel comfortable going to get the help what, was there any kind of struggle in your mind that you had with a i don't want to go talk to a therapist you know 
so what I would say was I was always a little hesitant to go, right? Just because it's like, ah, uh, okay, yeah, I'm feeling anxious. Last thing I want to do is talk about my anxiety, right? So that was obviously a big part of it. But there will come a point where you're just like, okay, I don't want to feel like this anymore, right? I don't want to feel so anxious that I'm shaking out of my skin and I'm exhausted all the time. Um, you just get to a point to where you're, you're just done with it, right? And I remember when I called to make the appointment, like no hesitation once I got to that point. I'm just like, yeah, I need to talk to somebody. The only other time I had a little bit of a hesitation was driving to that initial appointment, right? It's like, I don't want to talk about my anxiety, right? But having been through the process, there's nothing to worry about there. I mean, I actually, as strange as it sounds, because it actually is therapy, I found the whole process when everything was said and done to be very therapeutic. It wasn't easy. Don't get me wrong. You know, obviously you talk about stuff that you don't want to talk about. And there are sessions you'll have where they don't, at the time, they don't feel like they were valuable. But in the larger scheme of things, yes, they were. Um, but to anybody who's on the fence, um, one, realize that you're not alone. Two, the therapy, you know, the therapy process, it, it works. It helps. And I'll, again, I'll go back and say what I said earlier. It's a set of skills that you need to learn, just like you would learn SQL or, or Apache or VMware or whatever, right? Um, and it's, you know, I, that would be like trying to provision Active Directory for the first time without knowing anything about Active Directory, right? You're probably going to blow something up, right? Or it's probably not working out for you. It's it's a set of skills you need to learn, and um, at the very least, if you're wondering if you you know have an anxiety disorder, if you go and they say you don't, well, at least you know, right? Uh, at least, at least you, know. you have that peace of mind. And it doesn't make you weak. Asking it for doesn't. Help. I would say it makes you stronger <laughs> than than it than it does weak because you've made a decision, right? Mm -hmm. And I I think I took a little bit of comfort in the fact that I had made that decision as well too, because it's like okay. We're moving the ball down the field at this point, right? And we have to wait for the game to play out now, right? It's so strange in our society. Like, we don't think about technical problems this way. We don't say, oh, you know, I'm kind of worried that there's something wrong with our backups. But if I go and check and ask an expert, then that'll make it real. And then I'll actually have a problem, <laughs> right? Right. We won't say that about technical issues. Um, but we will say that about physical ones. I mean, because I was originally going to say, like, you know, we won't, we don't say, like, hey, you know, there's, there might be something wrong with my knee or my leg might be broken. But if I go see a doctor, then it'll be real. But, but actually, people do do that. Like, so, right. <laughs> um, right. It's kind of funny how the the human condition creates that, right? Right. <laughs> well, right. It's less visible. Like when you see somebody whose leg is broken, normally there's a cask, there are crutches. This is stuff that you, you're not necessarily going to be able to see. You mentioned that you internalized it. So yep. even if I worked with you every day, Andy, I'm, there's a chance that I might have never known that. Never known oh, yeah. to suspect it. No way of Definitely. knowing. If I had to guess, I would say there's probably only a handful of people that even suspected. You know, One of them, my wife. I bet you if you asked my mother prior to her knowing that I had this disorder... 
she probably would have said no idea. Yeah. She probably would have said no idea. <laughs> Easy going, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I think maybe one of the issues is that we conflate, maybe this is a societal thing, we, we conflate, if there's no external thing, then it's an internal weakness and maybe like a failing uh, or lack of strength. Like that is like kind of the cultural baggage that we're carrying on something like this, right. rather than saying like, you know, like, oh, that person, like the the bone, like bent past where it could, you know, you know, maintain you know integrity so now it's broken as in you point to somebody else and say well that person's generating like all these anxiety you know chemicals and having like a physical anxiety reaction regardless of whether that's warranted or not and you don't say like that's a moral feeling but maybe right. either we just don't understand that that's what's going on or it's too easy to conflate with moral or like i don't know some kind of like lack of character or internal like right you know strength you know or something like that oh you just don't have grit right <laughs> you know or whatever it is like like nick said it's 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 not as visible right it's definitely it's, at least i think it was nick that said that but yep. it's not as visible and i think by and large as a society people are finally getting over that hurdle that hey there is a whole breadth of mental health disorders that need to be treated just like you would a physical ailment and you know, I think something you, you, you mentioned, John, while we were talking through that kind of made me think of something else. Again, going back to the question of, you know, for those people that are on the fence, another place where I kind of ended up that helped me make that decision was as I would look back to how, again, how hungry I was early in my career, right? You know, one of the ways that my anxiety kind of manifested after all this had gone down was I just didn't feel hungry anymore. You know, I, I didn't have that passion to go learn something new or jump on this new technology or it just wasn't there anymore. And, and I, I missed that, you know, so effectively I, I was not being as effective as I could be. I was like a sand that was running in a degraded fashion, right? I wasn't putting out as many IOPS as I, as I could. Um, so I'm like, Hey, I need to go fix myself and learn how to fix myself or at least it being a disorder, you know, you, you can't fix it, but at least learn to operate in a way that it's that I can get back to where I was, right? Mitigate. That was a big Exactly, mitigate. You're eliminating operational complexity or driving Correct. it out, right? Exactly. That's right. That's exactly it. <laughs> Speaking of that, this is a great segue to the question we wanted to ask. Yeah. Can you share some of the strategies that you use to help drive out operational complexity as it relates to anxiety that that have worked for you maybe that would help someone else who's listening yeah definitely so for me it's it's different for every patient right but for me a lot of the things that work really center around the concept of mindfulness actually playing out my anxiety trying to figure out again is there a cause for it if so what is it is there anything i can do about it if Yes, go do that thing. If no, accept it and move on. Or more frequently what happens with me, hey, I'm anxious. Can I, what am I anxious about? I don't know. Oh, just accept that. Again, anxious sometimes, anxiety sometimes is inexplainable. Accepting that and being okay with it. That was a big hurdle for me was accepting that sometimes I'm not going to know what I'm anxious about and that's okay. So kind of playing through that thought process is one thing that helps. Another thing that's helped me over 
um, over the years is if there's a particular situation where I'm feeling a very high degree of anxiety and it's preventing me from doing whatever it is I'm trying to do, right? Whether that's you know, write a blog post or finish a video or whatever, there's a just a quick little exercise that's helped me over the years called five senses. And that is, okay, what are five things in the room that I can see? Okay, what are four things that I can touch? Okay, my desk, my keyboard, my mouse, monitor, whatever, right? Okay, what are three things I can smell? Just kind of going through all of your senses. And really what that does is kind of pulls your mind from where your anxiety is and kind of pulls you back to, I'm here right now, I'm safe, everything's okay. I'm working on what I'm working on. So that's just kind of another exercise. And then finally, one thing I try to do on a daily basis, I'm not always successful, but I always just kind of do like a journaling exercise just to kind of, hey, what went well today? What am I happy about today? What didn't go so well, right? So kind of be a little bit objective with it as well. So kind of a lot of those types of things kind of help me specifically. Uh, now, again, you know, you go start working with a, a mental health professional, you know, they may have other options, other things might work for you, you know, they may have to bring medication in the equation, right? Um, again, there's that, that playbook, right? Like we do with any IT related problems, but um, those are the ones that work for me. Oh, man, that I don't know why, but that trigger, like just bringing up medication triggers so much in me, like, there's, there's another cultural thing there, right? Right. It's like, oh, if you could just take a pill and fix it, then then there was, I don't know, like a bigger problem or it wasn't a real problem or it was the easy way to deal with the problem, right? <laughs> right? Which we don't say about like, oh, you have an ulcer, like you're taking this medication for the ulcer. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, you just took the easy way out with that ulcer. Like you really should have just like gutted it out. Uh, that was an uh, unintentional pun. Let it but, eat uh, through your stomach? Sure, why not? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, but I also like what you said about just kind of the general mindfulness, although it's too easy to say be mindful and not realize that there's like a ton of skills around that. Oh, and, yes. And very specific training that you probably need to go through. Like, I mean, some of the deeper versions that I've, you know, read about have been like very specific types of meditation or yep. like biofeedback or even as simple as like having a healthy diet, like which is like a, a different form of like external mindfulness of like right. not just like unconsciously eating or like this makes me feel good so I'm going to do it is like no this is what I need to be healthy so I'm going to eat this because it feeds my you know body soul and mind yeah like that is a form of mindfulness or you know for different people types of exercise or yoga or you know um you know those different types of things but just a really fascinating series of things that you said that just unlocked a bunch in me that it just uh very fascinating sorry no question just an observation yeah. no worries no worries that that makes me think about a, a few more things you know that i i do myself i mean i i'd always had kind of a, an interest in kind of the whole buddhist and zen culture that community itself and i always kind of found it fascinating throughout the years something calming about it which you know, really both of those communities rely heavily on mindfulness, right? So then it was really interesting when I got into this whole part of my life dealing with this anxiety disorder, that a lot of those things start coming into the equation as, you know, potential ways of dealing with the anxiety, right? So it was really interesting. I, I, I don't know. It just makes me wonder sometimes if like subconsciously I knew, and that's why that stuff was so interesting to me to begin with. You know, you mentioned meditation. I will do that occasionally. 
Um, the Calm app, if you don't have it or if you've never tried it, is one of my favorite meditation tools. It's a great and, app. Um, I, it is. And I, I will use it occasionally. The one that I probably use the most often is there is um, a meditation session, I guess you would call it, uh, in there called Panic SOS. So if I'm in a mode where I'm like, okay, I'm stuck. I can't do anything because I'm just, you know, feeling panicked, super anxious. That one session really, really helps a lot. And it it takes some practice. I mean, you're not going to sit down and instantly find value in meditation. It feels really weird at first, but um, it does help after you've done it, done it for a while. Yeah. That's like saying, oh, I need to be more healthy. I'm just going to go for a run. And then like, you feel bad after, you know, three minutes of running and you're like, oh, running must not be for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very much so. Yep. And the the Calm app, I'll just say, if if anybody's worried about meditating and it being really weird, it's, it's not like hang your chi on the ceiling before you start. It's here's someone telling you exactly how to breathe, trying to help you focus and be present right now. And that kind of breaks that loop of doom that you're talking about. It does. It really does. Because what I learned through this whole process was I was very rarely living in the here and now. I was always, again, I'm, I, I think back to, to Yoda in Star Wars, right? His mind never on where he was, what he was doing, right? I was always like, huh, hey, I wonder, I wonder how the EMC sand runs. I wonder what kind of raid levels. It, you know, I was always thinking about something else, something technology related or some video game thing right i was never i was never experiencing right now or very rarely experiencing right now and that's that's one thing that learning about this disorder learning how to deal with it has really helped me with is the the best best way i can describe kind of like the big benefit of that is there's a lot of people you would talk to who would not be able to sit with themselves in a room for an hour with nothing to do right i know i don't know many people that could do that I have no issues with that whatsoever, <laughs> like at all. And it's like, I'm completely okay just being here now with myself now after learning all these skills I've learned over the last year or two. So that's been immensely beneficial. That's a big symptom, right? Is like the recognizing the avoidance. Right. right? And uh, a lot of times you focus on other things instead of the here and now because of the here and now is painful, right? right. Yep. Which is a sign that, Maybe something needs to be, I should not use the passive voice. It's a sign that maybe you should go and do something about that, like address it just yep. like it was a technical problem or a broken leg. <laughs> hey, there's something funny in that log. Maybe we should go check it out. <laughs> ah, yeah. But if I look, then it'll be real. Right. Well, we don't and, do that. and John, this actually goes back to something we were talking about in our deep work series where if you have five minutes till your next meeting, it doesn't mean you should go check Twitter or LinkedIn. You could actually be present in the here and now for a few minutes and prepare your mind for that. Yep. That's what I thought of. Something you said about the the meditation apps, you know, and the calm apps, there's a whole family of apps like that. And they're all based on, you know, kind of the theories behind what's called cognitive behavioral therapy, yep. which, you know, very often is this, you know, is probably too complex or uh you know it's over well the overly simplified way of talking about it is you know mindfulness and to paying attention to like the physical reactions that thoughts cause and then breaking that cycle and people you know maybe need to understand that 
you know, therapy comes in different schools. There's kind of like the old school talk therapy, which, you know, is like, tell me about your mother, right? That's like (laughs) very rarely practiced anymore. It's, it's mostly cognitive behavioral, which is, you know, um, what is the physical reaction that you're having? And, like, is that healthy? What is it that you need to do to, to, you know, what causes you to have that physical reaction? And then what is it that we do to like kind of break out of that cycle? Like that yep. is kind of practical advice, you know, almost like you would get from like a, like a rehab, you know, therapist, right? It says, okay, your knee hurts when you do this. Ah, that's because these muscles here have been underutilized and you have lack of flexibility here. So here's some exercises to like, yep. you know, fix those things to mitigate the problem and you know maybe your knee has been damaged but we can work around it and get that flexibility back and minimize the pain which is exactly what therapy is right yep mm-hmm. that's a whole set of skills that it's funny you know now that the curtains have been pulled back you know and i i know about them it's like i think i said this to my wife at one point in time it's like why are they not teaching these skills to kids in like high school you know no kidding <laughs> like it's after you've become educated and and you have that uh, that kind of emotional maturity, right? That you gain from some of those mindfulness skills, it, it just becomes so clear. Like <laughs> you almost kick yourself, like why didn't I do this sooner, right? Um, because they, at least for me, they are that helpful. Well, we honestly we only teach them to people who are a problem. So if yep. somebody uh, is hyperactive, then they get diagnosed with you know hyperactive you know an attention deficit disorder and then they get the tools to deal with that or somebody is you know acts out in class and you know has you know or does super poorly because of like you know visible anxiety then we divert them into programs where they get taught these skills but the fact is is that the skill is useful for everybody whether or not you have like a disorder like you're oh, going to yeah. have times in your life where you have hang- high anxiety and man, wouldn't yep. it be great if you, uh, had the skills to deal with that? Just like, Hey, you're, you know, not everybody, you know, is a professional swimmer or a fisherman, but Hey, wouldn't it be great to know how to swim? Like just in case, <laughs> like you got just in case, right? <laughs> just like the same reading methodologies for people with dyslexia are actually better than some of the others that are taught in mainstream, you know? Same oh deal. yeah. Yeah, man. Andy, this has just been so eye-opening. Um, yeah. I really Fantastic. feel like this has been like a, a terrific conversation. Is there like a place that you've like written about this other than Amp Navigator? Is is that something that you kind of document and put out there? So Amp Navigator was kind of my first dip toe in the water on this particular subject mm-hmm. with the public. So you guys in this podcast, this is the second time I've, I've talked about this publicly. Um, I was a little touchy for a a long time on whether I was going to talk about it publicly or not. But like you mentioned earlier, John, you know, there's this societal view on mental, mental illness. And, you know, I I look at myself and the skills I've, I've, I've gained over my career, you know, them being public speaking ability and the ability to write and tell a story. I almost felt like, okay, Hey, I need to go talk about this and do something with it. Right. So, um, so that said, um, I haven't officially launched it yet, but hopefully by the time this is published, I'll have to give you guys the URL. But um, I've started working on a Substack that focuses all around my experiences with anxiety 
and kind of weaving in the technical discussion as well. So kind of weaving in some tech inside of that discussion. So like one of the articles that I've, I've pre-prepared for officially launching it is um, mindfulness journaling using VS code. So nice. that's like one of the, the first that's right up John's alley. It's yeah. I love VS code. VS code is great. There's a, um, it's an extension VS code journal, which basically adds in um, hotkeys in VS code. So you can easily open down, um, open up markdown entries and it will automatically create a folder structure for you based on date, month, or sorry, month, day. I'm getting ahead of myself. Year, month, day. Here we go. So it automatically creates that folder structure for you. Um, and so, yeah, I, I basically talk about kind of all that and, and how that's, how you would do that using VS code. So trying to bring my two worlds together, I guess, right? Uh, that is, um, you know, teaching people in tech how to deal with anxiety, right? Which could lead to your next career. I mean, I'm sitting here <laughs> going, man, that could be your next thing. Maybe that would be you know fun. I, mean? I, <laughs> I don't know anybody who's looking for a anxiety or a, a technical guy that can do marketing and has, <laughs> has experience in dealing with anxiety, but you know, stranger things have happened. That's so cool. Yeah, like we're we're gonna look out for that. It's uh yes. I Please believe uh Annie's anxiety blog dot substack no no that's not true. Um yeah, but I, <laughs> I haven't come up with a name for it yet. I I thought about anxious musings dot substack dot com, but I, I don't know if it fits yet. So I again yeah. this this is bringing in the whole branding and um, and marketing side of my, my skill set now. So you, I, you got to get I, your SEO right. I mean, we don't want right. to interfere with that. <laughs> make sure that's you know right. who the audience is, right? You have that's, to. That's, that's right. right. That's right. Got to make some personas and we'll figure out who it is. But even, <laughs> even if it doesn't launch by the time this episode airs, let us know. We'll make sure and announce it on the show as a resource for people. We yeah, definitely. definitely want to Pre- advertise that. Appreciate that. Yep, definitely. I'll... Uh, that uh, is on my to-do list for the holidays here, but uh, lovely. Hopefully, get that launched here soon. I'm looking forward to that. Awesome, Andy. Thanks so much for your time this evening. I I just have found the entire conversation just incredibly valuable, um, from your career arc to even you know discussing anxiety and opening my mind to to a couple things and and drawing uh, lines between things, uh, some new conclusions. Really enjoyed it. It's it's been great. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you guys. Like I said, I, I've been familiar with your guys' podcast before, so it was really exciting to come on the show and I'd be a, a guest myself. So I really appreciate the opportunity and and you know I I want to say thanks also for you know kind of bringing awareness to this topic, right? Um, you know we've talked about it a few times. You know I I think the as a society we're coming around to mental mental illness, but we still got work to do, right? And I I think it's mm-hmm. it's great that you guys are spending an episode on this right so i really appreciate that i mean it's a story that we saw and heard that needed to be told and that's what we wanted to do so we appreciate appreciate your willingness to share andy and for spending the time appreciate it thanks guys thanks and good night So like I said, during the intro, I really loved the discussion, the open discussion 
I have anxiety. And, you know, that can be just a really difficult thing to expose to the world. It's like, you know, you're being vulnerable. So I really, you know, appreciate Andy coming on and talking about that. I loved hearing about all the resources. I, I just, I really hope that listeners don't take the list of tools and, you know, and methods that, that we went through as a reason to not get professional evaluation and not get professional help. If you suspect that anxiety is a, is a problem for yourself, like do like the hard thing, which is, you know, raise your hand and say, Hey, maybe I need some help here. Um, and that's just like an evaluation, right? Just, you know, I think one of the, you know, the things that I kind of tripped over when I was thinking about this was we, we don't treat, you know, evaluations of our, like, you know, technology stack or the, the readiness state of our, our, you know, enterprise systems this way, like, Hey, I, I don't want to look at it because if there's a problem, then the problem's real. It's like, no, you kind of need to know if the problem is real because, you know, it's an, it's kind of, you, you can't fix the problem until you know it's real. You can't work towards fixing it. And not knowing if it's real doesn't avoid additional anxiety about the possibility of it being a problem. So I uh, just really hope that, you know, people, you know, take this opportunity to do a self-evaluation, go, hey, you know, maybe I need to think about this. Is this, is anxiety something that is interfering with my ability to live my life? Is depression or sadness something that is interfering with my ability to live my life? And, you know, anything that you might be dealing with, if it's interfering with your life, like that's kind of where it becomes like a problem as opposed to just what everybody else is dealing with. That's a little bit long-winded, but let me throw it to you, Nick. These things that people can't, that other people can't immediately see and may not understand, I feel like we all have a sense of pride at least a little bit about getting help and what that means to go and ask for help with this problem that only I can feel or only I can see. And it's just not easy to, to do that and accept that you need to do it. And I know that Andy gr gave some great points on why you should get the help you need. So I hope that if you were on the fence before listening to this, that you'll really think about doing what you need to do, what, do what's best for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially for the benefit of those people around you. I mm -hmm. mean, not to mention yourself, right? Just living a, a better life, a more enjoyable life, a more fulfilled life, dealing with any kind of mental health issues that you have. And, and that can be as simple as getting evaluated, right? And you might go through an evaluation process and a professional goes, hey, you know what? This is kind of, you know, doesn't, rise to the level of where we'd say you have a disorder. It's something we keep our, you know, our eyes on, you know, but you might want to like, you know, take some of these steps to kind of deal with things and, you know, lower your levels of anxiety or, you know, improve your mood so that you're not angry all the time or as much or, you know, whatever, you know, it is that you happen to be dealing with. It, just that evaluation, like will de-stress a lot of this, right? Somebody goes, hey, you know, you know, we think you have an issue here and here's how to deal with it. At least you've gotten that evaluation. Um, I yeah. feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over again. So No, it's good because what you've pointed out here, John, is that the coping strategies that Andy pointed out are very practical, even for people who don't have a diagnosis of generalized anxiety disorder. Even right. in times of periodic anxiety, the kinds of things he was talking about 
can help us all. Yeah. And it's, I think, kind of cool to be able to listen in on the help that somebody else got. It's kind of like listening to, you know, somebody talking about like coaching that they got in a sport, right? They're talking about a golf swing. Hey, my golf instructor said, hey, I need to do this and do this. And the goal is, is this, you know, I need, in order to have a smooth swing, I needed to, you know, not do this. I needed to emphasize this. And I think it's, that's great. And we can kind of take that like, oh, I see my overall goal is X, you know, because that's kind of all of us. And that's kind of a generalized coaching idea, but taking exactly what somebody had and, and making it personal to us is a mistake because we might not have exactly the same, you know, issue that that person has. So again, yet another reason to kind of go get evaluated. Um, if you think this is an issue, um, if you suspect it's an issue, you know, figure out and then get some, you know, personal coaching, just like you would for, you know, a physical disorder, right? If you're limping too much, if, uh, you know, my elbow hurts when I do this, <laughs> tell me what to do. You know, there's, it's the exact same thing. I think we just keep touching on this idea of the need to be present, even mm. though episode 140 with Eric Brooker wasn't necessarily about anxiety, that's what I thought of when Andy started talking about these strategies are to help you come back to the present. And when Eric took his vacation, right, he had some mm -hmm. anxious feelings before, and but he took the time to be present and you saw all the benefits he reaped. And you're hearing about the benefits that Andy reaps when he leverages these strategies to come back and be present. I just think that there are so many benefits to, to making ourselves, forcing ourselves, maybe the best word is enabling ourselves to be more present. Yeah. I really like this idea of, of being present. And I think we've talked about it before too, right? Um, kind of like the stories that we can tell ourselves about the past and the and the future, you know, like being one mode that our, our brain can be in and actually being present and paying attention to what's going on in the here and now is being a different mode and you can't really be in both of those modes at the same time. So if you're, you know, worrying about the past and all the things that have gotten you here, or you're worrying about the future and where things could go, you are not paying attention to the present and where you are right now. So that, you know, if you just have the inability to be present, then that could be like a major clue that maybe you should go get evaluated. So hope everybody uh, has like a, a good takeaway um, from this. And, you know, if this is not something that you worry about or deal with, hopefully there's some like cool strategies for those like kind of acute or emergency situations, you know, as opposed to like if you have a chronic condition. Still helpful. For other episodes, I like the ones that had a special guest, John Tolls, 129 and 130, talked about ADHD. Oh, that yeah. was That was a great series to go back and reference. I'm sure right. there are other challenges that we've talked about that, you know, we're just not thinking of at the moment, but. No, you're absolutely right. Because like in that category of like neurodiverse, as opposed to neurotypical, like, you know, there's a lot of parallels. It's not exactly the same, but there's a lot of parallels, like especially if you're afraid to get diagnosed and afraid to start, you know, dealing with um, the issue of like, you know, how your brain works if you do have this diagnosis. I and mean, that's a really good call out. Thanks, Nick. Sure thing. 
Um, anything else before we get out of here? I think that's it. Great trilogy. Really enjoyed that one. Make sure you follow Andy out in the community. We'll put the links in the show notes. I'm sure he's going to be writing about anxiety like he mentioned in this part three of the interview. So definitely check that out. Just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at NerdJourney. All right. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at The Journeyman. For Nick Cordy at NetworkNerd underscore, signing off. Adios.